We're in Deuteronomy. This is a Wednesday night, and um, it's January the 11th of 2023. And we are at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 10. And the title of today's message is An Attitude of Gratitude. An Attitude of Gratitude. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 25 is what that is about. Now, um, let's just let's read. And I don't have my large print, so i got to hold this up. I left it at the house, but that's okay. I had three other Bibles in my book bag. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers to Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantedest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, what, so he told them about all of these things that they were going to get. You ever heard, easy come, easy go? They were going to walk right into having everything. So it, you'll notice that if someone is just given something, it doesn't mean as much, and it might go away a lot quicker. Maybe not even take care of it very well. But you should be extremely grateful and thankful that you got that, that it just kind of fell in your lap. <clears throat> You should be so appreciative that, that however it got to you, whoever took on the burden to, to make it happen and for you to just get it, you should be so thankful that you should want to take care of it even more than if you had your blood, sweat, and tears into it. You know, that's the way we should be. But, we, but as humans, we tend not to be that way. And Moses is warning the people right now, you're, we're going to, you're going to go into this promised land and all the stuff that you need is already there for you. They had been in bondage. The na that nation had been in bondage for many, many years before. And now it's like they're going to finally receive something for all that they had been through in the past. And that was their blessing. And he's, he's telling them that you're going, you're going to be in danger of not being thankful and wasting what God has blessed you with. That's what's going to happen. He's, that's what verse 12 says. It says, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. 
Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods, it's little g gods, of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee, and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. That's also was called Meribah. I'm going to read a little bit out of, out of the Warren Wiersbe book. <clears throat> it says, Mo- Moses was equipping the new generation to enter and claim the promised land. And he knew that Canaan would be a place of temptation as well as a place of triumph. For one thing, when they conquered the nations in Canaan, the Israelites would inherit vast wealth and would be tempted to forget the Lord, who had made their victories possible. The second temptation would be for Israel to compromise with the pagan nations around them and not maintain their separated position as the people of the Lord. And you know, if we get over into chapter seven, we're gonna we're gonna ask what's gonna we're gonna be dealing with in chapter seven of Deuteronomy. Most people find it easier to handle adversity than prosperity. Most people handle adversity. Now you don't like adversity, but think about the people who struggle and then Maybe, and I've mentioned it before, let's just say they win a lottery or a big prize and they get this uh, just big lump sum of money thrown on them and all of a sudden they got prosperity. They're very unwise with it. And I've mentioned before, I know people who won amounts of money. You know, I, one couple, $100,000. There was another couple, might have been five. I don't know, and then one in between. And they all split up and divorced because they didn't use the money wisely. One person did something stupid, whatever. They didn't divide it up good enough, and they, it caused major problems in their marriage, and they all ended up separated. You can trust a marriage that has been able to go through adversity and stay together. We really, at the end of our life, we'll look back and we'll see that we handle adversity better than we do prosperity. And maybe God knows that I can't handle prosperity, that's why I'm so poor. <laughs> but you can, you can go back and look at so many people that have made it big and it's ruined them. You know, people who were just good quality people when they didn't have anything, and then they became famous, and then it ended up, it looked like everything was, they, they were just living it up, and it was just the greatest thing, and then they die, or they just go, just, just ruin their lives. Uh, almost, probably 90% of NFL football players, they, they're, they're, they've come up in really rough backgrounds, they have nothing, and then they get all that money thrown on them, and then they end up living terrible, sinful lives, and then they lose it all. And then they have nothing. 
worse off than they were before. Uh, there, there are so many young people who were nobodies, and then they got real popular, and this is all over the world, on YouTube. They get real popular on YouTube. Now, they, they were just average people, and for whatever reason, they get extremely popular, whether it be they could sing good, they could play a musical instrument good, or they're just very, very attractive, and they just draw all kinds of people in just to look at them. I, I, it was something popped up on my Fox News app. It's uh, this uh, LSU gymnast. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of her. I had never heard of her before. She's a gymnast at LSU, and her name is Livy, short for Olivia. And she, every, every time LSU goes somewhere for a meet, the police in that city have to come and set up barriers and guard because teenage boys will come out of the woodwork and they just line up all over the place just trying to get a look at her and maybe get a picture with her. And it, was, it made Fox News, on, on, you know, popped up on that app. And uh, I'm like, who is this? And, and I, I was just reading about it, and, and I'm like, and so she's like got it. I think she's worth over $2 million because of her following on, on like a YouTube channel or something like that. All right? Those people, and you see it over and over and over again, they can't handle the fame and the big money, and it usually ruins them. And there's, there's so many uh, very popular YouTubers who have committed suicide over the last few years. So this story, way back in the beginning of our Bible, and this is when the children of Israel were going to be going into the Promised Land, the lessons that, that Moses was trying to teach God was trying to teach them something that you need to be thankful for what the blessings I'm giving you and to not let it go to your head and it, let it ruin you. But that's exactly what happens to them. And it's a, it's, it is a warning to us today. Be satisfied with what you have. We're supposed to be satisfied if we have something to eat and something to wear, according to our Bibles. We're supposed to be happy with that. But if think about all the people you know that would be just devastated if they just didn't have dish for TV, if they didn't, if they couldn't go do these things that they think are so necessary, it would just seem to ruin their lives. Definitely, do not have an attitude of gratitude. Now, if you go to uh, the end of Philippians, and Paul was locked up in prison, and he said that he was content with having nothing. If, he said something about being abased or abounding. You know, basement, down under, abased or abounding. He, he, he was going to be happy if he was hungry or if he was full. He had made that decision that, you know what, God's looking out for me. And I might go through some adversity, but it makes me stronger in the end. You know, you don't have anybody 
If you, you take a military, you know, guys go into training, and if they were just easy on them in basic training, you know, oh, I don't, we don't want to be too rough on you. We're so proud of you for wanting to serve your country and just treat them really good and gave them really good hot meals and good stuff to drink, you know, and then sent them off to battle. That would be the worst thing you could possibly do for them. That would show that you hate them. But to put them through what mamas would say, oh my gosh, what are you doing to my son? They love those young men because of the absolute brutality they can put them through so that they will be ready for what they're, what they're being trained to do, to go into a bad situation. And so many kids today are so spoiled, they're not prepared to handle real life. <clears throat> There's a whole lot to this little part of Scripture that we can apply to today. You know, we're, we're failing as a nation. We're failing. We're, we're not bringing up young men. We have got so many young men who don't know how to be men. And then you might have men that uh, are trying to overcome and balance it out, and they get to be what you would call toxic. You know, they're just over the top being, being tough and, and doing stupid stuff. But overall, we've got women, young women, who have to take over and go into roles that men should be doing. And it's a problem. And you can ask women... And they'll tell you, yeah, it's a problem. The ones who are honest. So, if we, if we don't wake up, we're going to be in a big mess as a country, as a whole, if we don't wake up. Because we, we have been blessed as a nation, big time. Now, with blessing and prosperity, comes weakness. We have, there's, you can pick up a Bible and carry it wherever you want to go, and you don't really have to worry too much about it. But most people don't even want to have a Bible, don't even want to read it. And it would take the government coming in and saying, you cannot own a Bible, because here it talks about, about homosexuals, and here it's, it's, it's making women feel in feel inferior, and here it's, uh, you know, saying this, that, and the other, and it's, we've decided that it's just bad for society, and we're taking all the Bibles away. It would take that for people to finally rise up and grab a hold of their Bibles and cling on to them and actually start reading them. Why would we wait until it got that bad to actually cherish the Word of God and want to read it? But it seems like that's what would have to happen. You know, it, it, it was for a guy to be on ESPN and to pray would be absolutely forbidden. You can't do that. Until somebody falls down on the field and they're out there doing CPR on them, then all of a sudden it's okay for everybody to pray. Why do we wait until somebody's dying on the field to finally say, oh, maybe we should pray in this situation. We always tend to wait until things are really, really bad 
before we realize what's really, really important. <clears throat> All right, back to uh, 17. Ye shall diligent, diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon e Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. God had to bring them out of bondage for a purpose. And it wasn't for them to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. He brought them out of Egypt to take them into the promised land. Now, all of us, before we knew the Lord, before Jesus was introduced to us and we believed on Him, we were all in bondage to the world and the flesh and the devil. And the blood of Jesus was able to rescue us and pull us out of that bondage of the world. But we, we weren't pulled out of the world just to wander around. It was to get to heaven and to bring as many as we can with us to heaven. So we need to make the best use of what Jesus has done for us, just like these people <clears throat> need to... They were constantly being reminded of where they were as a nation, what God had done to deliver them from it, and then they, they were not appreciative of what He did for them, and then they doubted Him. And we all doubt God on different issues. All of us are guilty of it, even after being saved. And it shows that we don't really believe Him. And we all need to pay attention, read, read the Word, and then believe the Word. You've got to have confidence that we have the true Word of God. Because you run across something you don't like, well, it's just it wasn't interpreted right. Or, well, in the originals it didn't say that. Or you'll come up with some type of, of, an, of an excuse. But we were brought out of something to enter into something, not to wander around aimlessly. Okay? That he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do 
all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Now, it says our righteousness right there. Now, for them, they had to follow the law. Now, if we try to get righteousness by following the law, we're going to mess up. Now, you have to understand, this is a transitional book, and you're starting to see some things in Deuteronomy that are, it seems to be a little different than what was in the strict law. You see, you know, circumcision of the heart. I mean, it was a Jewish thing for males to be circumcised on the eighth day. That was very Jewish. We're told in the New Testament that if we got circumcised for the purpose of pleasing God, it just doesn't profit us at all. <clears throat> but there's a circumcision of the heart that that was a type of, that we need to pick up on. Now, there's a righteousness that can be our righteousness in the New Testament, but it's not by following the law. But by following God's commandments and statutes and testimonies and all these things, Remember, it gets us pointed in the right direction. As a nation, we follow all of His commandments so that we will be a better society. You will be a much better society if you follow God's ways. Now, personal salvation, you're not going to get that by just following the commandments. But hopefully it pointed you in the right direction and all these people, as we're going through Deuteronomy, they're all being trained and being pointed in the right direction, and that's toward the promised land, and they're going to end up coming up to that Jordan River. When they get to that Jordan River, that is going to be a picture for us. That was death. The Jordan River represents death. Where did the Jordan River go to? The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, the surface of the Dead Sea, is probably the lowest place on planet Earth as far as on land. And then it's really deep. But you know how you can, have, you can be below sea level? How can you be below sea level? Why is the sea over top of you? Well, there's something that's separating. But you can actually be below sea level in places. Well, the Dead Sea is way below sea level. And that water comes out of a beautiful place way, way north. Beautiful place that it comes out of. And it flows and it ends up at the lowest place, which is a type and picture of hell, where if we don't get through the Jordan and get on the other side, and if we died in the Jordan, we would go to hell. Joshua was able to take the nation of Israel through the Jordan, which represented dying with Christ and then being raised up with Him in resurrection and going into the promised land. The day that you make a decision, you know, remember, the Word of God enlightens your soul, the Spirit of God convicts your soul, and then you make a profession of faith, faith in the Son of God, which saves your soul. At that moment, you're baptized with the Holy Ghost. You have gone down into the Jordan, but you have been brought up out of that sure death, that death that Jesus did for you on the cross, 
and he went down into death, but then he was raised up in resurrection, we have been with Jesus through all of that, and we have come up on the other side. So this, this story of warning right here that we just read, this story of warning is also a warning to us. You can believe on Jesus. You can believe on Him and, and be saved, but yet not appreciate the blessings that He's given you, and you can be not as successful in your Christian walk as others who have more faith. We see people who, Lot's a good example. Lot, most, if you read the story of Lot, you would think he's lost. But the Bible says he was saved. You don't want to be like Lot in your Christian walk. Letting the world corrupt you and your family, losing all of your family to the world's ways. You don't want to be there. You want to be a person who not just comes into salvation and say, ah, I made it, barely made it, and that's all I'm going to do. We need to take these warnings, and we need to be not just um, barely saved, but we need to be somebody who produces 30-fold, 60-fold, maybe even 100-fold. There's different levels. We got a little bit of time. We can uh, start in chapter 7. But that's pretty much, if you want some uh, verses to go along with that hour righteousness with verse 25, um, over in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, it says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So if you're stuck in Deuteronomy, and you think that you can take verse 25 and say, uh, and it shall be our righteousness if we observe all these, all these laws of the Bible. But you need to go over to the New Testament and see verses like that where it's not keeping the commandments. Keeping the commandments are wonderful, but you're not going to get the righteousness that you need just from keeping the commandments. It's got to come through Jesus. But the whole, all of chapter 4 of Romans kind of goes along with it if you want to read that on your own. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now that's just a couple places. I know there's something in Romans 4, but I forgot to write down the actual verse number of the verse that I wanted to read to you. Was it 13? 4.13... For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Yep, that's it. Very good. Thank you. All right, seven. 
When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, Thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods, little g-gods, so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee, destroy thee suddenly. Now, people will take this right here, and they will justify, they'll say, so if a, a Hispanic person marries an African-American person or a Caucasian white person marries another nationality, they'll go here and talk about how the Bible says you're not supposed to do that. Have you ever heard anybody say that? It's a lot of people who believe that. They'll, they'll, up until recently, um, a lot of people looked down on mixed uh, marriages, really looked down on it, and they would go to the Bible and justify their dislike of it right here. All right, we're in the dispensation of grace now. <clears throat> we have examples of Ruth being a Moabite, being brought into the nation of Israel. We have Rahab being brought in to the nation of Israel. There's different examples in our Bibles that show that Gentiles were going to be brought into the family of God. All right. What, what this is saying right here and what we can learn from it is if you, and it doesn't matter if they're the same race as you or not, if they're an unbeliever and you are, to get married would be unwise, very unwise. They were in danger of, they were a special nation that were set apart. They were separate from all the other Gentile nations and they were not to marry into those other nations because it would lead to idolatry of false gods. Well, that's true with anything today, anybody. If that person is going to lead you away from God, don't marry them. You need to go another direction. You need to find somebody who loves the Lord. So, but I, I mean, just very recently, I had a uh, man talking to me about his granddaughter marrying a black person and he was all upset about it and he said it's clearly in the Bible that you're not supposed to do that I'm like clearly where at you know clearly I don't know if I've ever seen that in the Bible but that's where they get it from <clears throat> alright so you just don't want to be unequally yoked with a non-believer. We, we get, uh, play, I just went over not that long ago, how there was uh, 
uh, married couples in the beginning of the church age, and it said, and Paul was telling them, you know, look, if they want to leave, let them leave. But if not, then stay with them. And then it said another place where the woman, if she lives the way she's supposed to, and she honors her husband even though he wasn't a believer, that she could win him. Okay, well, they were already married when the new church started. Or, or today, two unbelievers get married, one of them becomes a believer. Well, you don't divorce because one of them's not, one of them is. But if the, if, especially if it's the woman, if she lives a good godly life and treats him way better than he deserves to be treated, you could turn his heart to the Lord because you're witnessing to him. But you don't go into the marriage thinking that you can make that happen. You've got to be careful about that. All right, five. But thus shall ye deal with them, ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, we'll stop there because that is a big issue right there. It's a big thing we can talk about. Now, this is what, is, what that just said is talking about the nation of Israel. But we can also understand that we can, we can apply that to us. We've got to be careful how we do it, though. We cannot apply it to us today in saying that we have replaced Israel. We can't do that. But we can also say that in this dispensation of grace, we can take a lot of this for ourselves. We are, are a, peculiar, a peculiar people, and we have been brought in. So, and, and that's in Peter. Peter. Peter tells Gentiles that you used to be on the outside, but now you've been brought in, and you are like being the chosen of God. You're, you are just like them in that now you can go directly to God through Jesus. Now, there's certain denominations that have taken that to an extreme and say that we have totally replaced Israel now, that gets dangerous. Now, God is not done with them. It's probably the most safe place in the world, even though it looks like one of the most dangerous places in the world. But God is protecting that nation. He will never not protect them. And you can read Hosea, and you can see where the relationship isn't the same as it was but God is always going to protect. It's, it's like we are, the Gentile church is the bride of Christ. We are going to be married. We're in that uh, espousal state right now as we're doing our Christian walk. Okay? We are the bride of Christ. We're waiting on Him. He's going to prepare a place. Like any good husband, you know, 
has a, has a wife that's waiting. He goes to prepare a place. He leaves father and mother, and they, they, they consummate the marriage, and they move into this new home. Jesus is gone. He's preparing a place for us. We are the bride of Christ. We're waiting for him to come back for us. The nation of Israel used to be with him, married. The nation of Israel left him, went a-whoring after idols, and he has separated from them, but he will always protect them. You can read, you can read Hosea, and you'll, that's what you'll see as you read that so-called minor prophet. All right, we're done. We are done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this evening. Father, we uh, just are so thankful for your word. And we would like to lift up Morgan to you and his family. Father, that you would be with them, help them, and give them uh, a miracle. And Father, we'd also like to lift up different people who you know, are in this community that maybe are being touched by you, Father, that you would uh, continue to work on them through the Holy Spirit, Father, that we would be a help to them, that we would be a place where they can come and worship together. Father, there's just so many things that uh, we should be praying for, that we should be thankful for. Father, we need to show great gratitude to you. Father, you have given us so many blessings you know, as, a, as a country, you know, as a church. Father, individually, you have blessed us so much. And Father, I pray that we would be so thankful for it, that we wouldn't forget you because life is easy. Father, we, we have not forgotten you. We're very thankful. Father, I pray that the, the words that we spoke out of your word today, this, all, of, all of what we did tonight will you know, change people, help people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the, the servants that we have in this church, the people who are working for you. Father, I pray that you would give them blessing and, and that they will see the fruit of their labors. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.